1: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 20 of the Circles Off podcast. I'm Johnny from Betstamp and I'm joined today by Rob Pizzola. He finally let me do the intro, 20 episodes in and today we are also joined by a guest. Uh, he is a professional better. He is a partner in about 7 to 10 projects, which I'm sure we'll touch on a few of those today. Um, and most topical unabated the new uh we'll call it sports data platform we are joined by it, rufus peabody how are you guys today i'm doing fantastic
0: i'm up in Maine. It's i'm a pretty. little thrown off by johnny doing the intro if i'm being completely honest usually i have creative control of this podcast and i had a joke lined up ready to go introducing rufus and how he used to be uh brian blessing and kenny white's you know basically guy coffee boy intern type of thing which i know rufus would laugh at but um I'm doing well. I mean, just enjoying the summer, trying to golf. Rufus, have you been uh, been out golfing lately?
2: You know, I haven't. I didn't really golf much at all last month, which was which was kind of sad. But I played nine holes this morning, and my brother's waiting for me to go golf after this podcast. We're gonna go out and play as many uh, holes we can as we can on this little the nine hole country club course here. So,
0: sounds good living the dream. Um, we do want to get to a, a number of topics with you today, Rufus, obviously we want to talk about unabated a little bit later. Um, also want to talk about some mental health initiatives. And I know that that's been uh, something that's been important to you on uh, Twitter for a while now. Uh, usually with our guests, we get like a gr- brief background, uh, and get them to discuss their stories and how they got into the betting space. I don't really think that we need to do that with you. Um, you're, you know, your, your story is pretty much well known. Um, it's been talked about a lot and I don't want it to get too redundant. So I'd rather just focus on where you are as a better now. And I think that would be a little bit more interesting for people who are listening. Uh, you're right around the same age as I am. Probably could retire now if, if you wanted to. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that's the case. So I'm just wondering what still drives you to you know grind out the the betting on a day to day basis, and is it even a grind for you at this point? I'm uh, uh, just a little bit of commentary on on where you stand now on a, uh, as a better.
2: It's a good question, and yes, I'm glad we're not going to talk about the LVSC years and anything like that. <laughs> um, I think people on Twitter made it clear that, that they'd, you know, there's a lot I've said and they don't want me to say it again. But uh, what drives me, and you know, I love games and I love problem solving, and I think that's probably the biggest driver you know, I look back, I was at Burning Man two years ago, and it was, I guess, my first real week off in a decade. And by the end of the week, I was just filled with ideas again about like, you know, football, and I was like, ready to get back at it. So, so, um, you know, my my girlfriend said that she could really see from that, that like, the, I, you know, I talked about being burned out, but she could see the joy I still had, you know, the passion I still had for it, that I'm doing something I enjoy. So, you know, I lo- I've always loved sports in the number side of sports. And it's, you know, you don't love every day of it, of course, and, and I have been, I'll say I've been looking for another challenge and that's kind of, you know, why I've had these various other projects that I've entertained and, and unabated is, you know, we're, we're launching, um, what well, we launched the beta yesterday to some people. And so I, I'm excited about that, but I, I am looking, I guess, looking for a purpose in a way, a lot of the betting stuff is, is kind of running on autopilot well, golf for the most part, um, my traders would like to differ, but you know, that, that, that isn't, that doesn't take as much time for me now. But I mean, I I, I think the big thing is I like games and it's still a game to me. And so I still enjoy it. And, and I, the idea of retirement to me just seems like this really foreign concept where, you know, you just sit around and don't do anything. Like I'm the kind of person that I can't sit still. I need to be doing something. I need to be working towards something. And so whether that's something that, needs, that makes money or not you know, is immaterial. I, just, I need to have some, some, some sort of purpose.
0: Right. So j- just to elaborate on that, though, when you say you need to have some sort of purpose, it's usually building towards some sort of end goal, right? And for some people, that's monetary. For some people, um, it's being the best at their craft. Um, for some, it's a combination of both or, or some other um, aspect altogether. I- I'm just interested in, w- in what that is for you.
2: That's a good question. I mean, I, I think for a long time, my purpose, like I, well, I, I guess initially when I moved out to Las Vegas, that sort of first hurdle to get to was, well, can I make money at this? And then I remember I would be like card counting, um, you know, spreading like $5 to $35 at the beginning, um, betting a few hundred bucks at a time. And I was making money and tracking it. and And I got to a point where I was like, you know what, if I lost my job, I could probably like Grind out like thirty thousand a year or something with the bankroll I have, and that was that. That felt really good. Um, and then you know betting, and then, then eventually got to a point where I was like, I want to be the best at this. Like, I want to be, I want to be the best at what I do. And and I think it, I've been kind of in the wilderness a little bit lately in, in terms of what that purpose is. I think it's a lot. It, it's a lot harder to. Well, it's easier when you're getting started and sort of the goal is farther away. Um. And like I'm not going to say that I'm the best at anything, but but I think i've I've done well at it, and it's harder in, in, it's harder if you're essentially trying to sort of stay in some place than than trying to go someplace it, at least it's harder mentally for me, and I think that's honestly why now I'm looking for purpose in like building something, like building a company, building tools that I think could be useful, that type of thing and so and honestly that's why i'm talking about the mental health stuff on twitter in a way too i i think it's this is stuff that i'm passionate
1: about and and i'm that you know i want to do what i'm passionate about yeah got it it's uh it's definitely you know would you say so question then would would you say you're driven by money or at, at any point were you driven by money and then did that shift
2: no i you know i moved out to LVSC. kenny white paid me $25,000 a year salary. I think it came, it was supposed to come out to $12 an hour, but I worked well more than 40 hour weeks. Although what was work for the company and what was work for myself is kind of a blurry line too. So, um, but no, I was never, I, I was all, it, it was never about money for me. Money was the scoreboard for betting. And so winning and losing, I mean, it was, if we had a big week in NASCAR and I was never the, I, I got the NASCAR modeler with, with this group back in the day, uh, the good old days. Um, when we had a big week with NASCAR i didn't feel the same pride and satisfaction as is, is if we you know won with my baseball model and my golf model so I, yeah money was just the scoreboard it's i'm a competitive person and yeah it wasn't money
0: i think that's a, an attribute that a lot of sports bettors share in general um the competitive nature i i guess some might call it an ego um and i, I certainly think that in terms of having an ego in a craft, I would I would probably say I'd have to put sports betters right at the top of the list of any profession. I don't I don't know if you'd you'd agree or disagree with that, but I'm really trying to think of people that are close to me and people that I know, and I it, it's a very competitive space, in where um you tend to not see this happen in un, other industries where someone has success and um it kind of rattles other people that are in the same space rather than rooting for your peers to. To do well and farewell, well, uh, it becomes more of like this doggy dog type of of situation, and I've always found that just really weird and fascinating.
2: There are a lot of frenemies, I think, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's like you know, I, I think of an example where um, I, we went we were together at Sloan a couple of years ago, um, and there was one night that Spanky took a, a group of twenty of us out to dinner uh, late at night, and and Spanky sat next to Pikachu Bets that night. And they were chatting it up and they were, you know, they're having a seemingly a great time that night and that week. And then a couple of weeks later on Twitter, Pikachu Bets is just, you know, Terry and Spanky a new one. And it was like, it's like this, and I've, this th- that's just one example that immediately comes to mind. But it's a lot of these situations where we interact in person. And I've brought this up with uh, someone else on this podcast before. I can't remember who, but where we're interacting in person and uh, seemingly getting along and then we get to the social side of things or communicating elsewhere and people turn on each other. I don't know what it is uh, about the toxicity of the space, but it it just seems to um, I, I can't really explain why it happens in the sports betting community so much.
2: I mean, I wonder what it's like with like hedge fund managers with their, I guess their peers, if, if it's, if there's sort of this sense of like community and, and they're all, I don't know if they share ideas or if it's very much cutthroat and and, and you know dog eat dog but personally I, I think I was going to say a lot of it I think is is the fact that you only the anonymity and the fact that you only know people virtually and it's so much easier to be an asshole to somebody on Twitter than it is in person and people have asked me like why am I not an ass to people that are I don't know um there were touts or or whatever on um when I meet them and I'm like well it's I'm just not I'm, I, you know, and the funny thing is I tried to defend myself, but, um, but I'm just not really, I'm not a mean person and it's really hard for me to, to, I don't like conflict and I don't want to create conflict, but personally for me and it, people that I've met in person, I don't think I, I, I mean, I guess the whole Pikachu and Spanky thing that that's news to me. Cause I would expect that once you meet somebody that things would be a lot more civil and that, you know. <laughs> Like I, I thought it'd be the anonymity that's kind of causing this, but um, maybe I think the Pikachu spanky thing might be an exception in my opinion, but <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know that many, I'm not intimately familiar with that many other industries.
1: Well, I think you brought up a good point with the kind of friend of me type thing. And, and I think it's driven by, you know, people want to be the best and they want to win at stuff. And the reality is like, if you're, if you are driven and you're the person who's like encoded in their mind that they want to always be the best and they always want to win, they always want more, then uh, you have to really like, you know, look for happiness in other places because you're not going to be, you're not going to be fulfilled by making more money because you're always going to be able to make more. It's like, I think Rob brought this up on on the podcast, one of our first episodes. He said every time Bitcoin goes up, he's pissed because he doesn't own enough. Even though, despite the fact that Like, you know what I mean? Like your portfolio is, is literally growing. Like if that goes down, you're going to be pissed, but it goes up and you're still upset. Like this is just, it's a, it's almost like a metaphor. Like if you have this mentality, you have to seek happiness in other places outside of just monetary gain, because it's, you're always going to be able, there's always someone richer than you. There's always someone who does a little bit better than you or something else. Right. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's funny. And I definitely don't think it's specific to sports betting, if that's what you guys are asking here. Like there's this is a thing in every single industry. Uh, and it's kind of like it's almost I, I love ignorance is bliss is the saying, right, where, you know, if you don't know, you don't know and you'll be happy. But is it really bliss? Like, you know, because once you get into that mentality, you're like the happiness is way harder to achieve. No, I think
2: you made some great points there. And I think it really, I think it comes down to comparing yourself to others. And as I said earlier in my career, my biggest, my purpose was trying to be the best actually for a long time. And, and if that's your purpose, then if anybody else is doing really well, you get kind of jealous. And I totally was guilty of that. You know, I I don't, you know, I'm friends with people and I don't want them to fail, but at the same time, I don't want them to succeed as much as me. Mm -hmm. And that, that was, that was something that that I definitely was guilty of, but, but I do think you see it. I don't think it's unique to sports, but I mean, just think about social media, like Instagram and stuff, people, people are always comparing themselves to others. And the funny thing is the, the richer you get, the more poor you feel in a way, because you're just comparing yourself to other people. Like, and it's the whole crypto thing. I mean, you hear about all these people that, you know, they, they bought their crypto punks and they've gone up a ton and they own all this Bitcoin and and you get like, you're like, well, shit, I'm jealous.
0: We got the crypto punks, Rufus. We we're early adopters of the crypto punks right here. So we're being pretty excited.
1: <laughs> wow. Don't you wish you listened to episode three, Rufus? Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but if you but if you view things that way, you're just gonna set yourself up for unhappiness because there's always gonna be something that you're not gonna be in on. And you just have to I think it's just realizing that happiness, I mean, is it's internal. It's you. It's not about how you relate to others. It's just about how you know it's
1: it's it's an internal feeling. Okay. We can get back to more of this, um, and talk about your tweet threads and stuff, but now I do, we are a sports betting podcast. I did put out a little feeler on Twitter earlier, uh, this morning saying, yeah, we're going to interview Rufus today. Any questions? Uh, there's a lot, some hate, some negativity, some positive stuff, but I think over the, the course of that thread and other people that I've talked to about you, like A lot of people want to know, like, what's the life like of Rufus Peabody? Like, what are you doing on a daily basis? Um, And sorry to ask multiple questions, but I, I do think earlier in the pod, you did mention like, yeah, golf's on autopilot at this point and all the modeling and the hard work's done. So now it's just up to the traders. Can you give us a little bit of, you know, what goes into the golf stuff? How does it work? Um, what am I doing? And then what are the traders doing? And, you know, you know, give out as much info or as little info as you want, but I think that's really what people want to know and what you've kind of been hesitant to give out on other podcasts.
2: So I say golf's on autopilot and and yet it feels like so much of my time is still devoted to golf. So I guess it's on autopilot in the sense that I could only work. I could, I could only work on Monday on it if I wanted to, but I do spend a lot of time tinkering you know, I'll give you an example this week. So, so I have a, um, so, so Monday, I, I, Monday morning, I'm inputting my, I input my numbers. Um, I run a bunch of code that takes about four hours to run that basically processes the previous week. It basically re adds, it, it refines the model, if you will, because you know, you're adding data every week. And, and so rather than doing it every year or something like that, it's just constantly every week. So somehow coefficients are changing. If somehow putting becomes more predictive, it's going to be changing gradually. And so I run that through and I put in, um, and, and there are some tweaks. I mean, I I, have, I look at some stuff related to the course. Um, I, well, on a hole by hole basis, I, I try to figure out what, you know, I, I need to obviously know the part and yardage of each hole. And I, I look at how it's played in the past. And sometimes I have to make a decision on if a course had a redesign or something, you know, the, and, and this hole is playing um, a little bit longer or, or, you know, where, where I sort of cut that off um, in terms of some of the hole by hole stuff. Um, but basically I, I, I I then spend time essentially making sure my projections are right. I mean, an example of some of the stuff I'm dealing with um, like this week, you have these, you had the Olympics last week in, in Tokyo. And by the way, I was very anti Patrick Reed um, because I don't know if you know, he, um he, was told on Saturday at the 3M open that, that Bryson had tested positive for COVID and withdrawn. And so he was the alternate and he didn't have his passport. So he had to go back to Dallas, but to get there, he has to test positive or test negative for COVID three times, uh, each 24 hours apart over 72 hour period. And so he basically didn't get, end up getting to Japan until the day before, um, the tournament and wasn't even able to get to the course. He wasn't, he, he was it, and, and same with his caddy. He, he wasn't even able to walk the course. And so I know, I guess I know the effect of travel in some other situations, for example, like, you know, go, well, and the fact that going from West to East is much more problematic than going East to West. So someone that pay, played um, in America one week and is playing in Europe the next week. I mean, I don't think I'm giving away the farm by saying that, that you know more travel and more jet lag is going to be worse and this is a 13 hour trip. Um, and, and, not, and and then not having seen the course, like I was like, I was making a guess though on, on what that actual impact would be. You know, I, I had a framework based on what I knew the impact of, of sort of other travel is. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I think it's going to be at least twice as bad as that. And, and the funny thing is he actually ended up like playing decently, but, but he still, I think I still won the bets against him. I think I had Hovland against him and Casey against him. So, um, so that was good, but now they're coming back and I don't really have a, and personally, I think that it seems like if I, I get tired thinking about how tired the Olympians must be, you know, they were, they're driving 90 minutes to this. They're going through all these tests and protocols all the time. And then, you know, you're turning around. And even if you're going, even though you're going West to East, although they're probably, they're traveling East to West, but they're going, Backwards in time, um, I feel like there has there's definitely going to be some impact there, and um, but I'm kind of I'm making a sort of subjective judgment there. So so those are the kinds of that's an example of a kind of tweak I might make um, sometimes something re- regarding like you know home course or something familiarity um, depending on where a tournament is things like that. And then I'm running simulation these initial simulations and and I have this sort of um, server web interface. Base called Verplank, um, named after my favorite golfer growing up. Um, and, and it, it allows, um, it allows my, my trader, my brother, who's my head trader to, um, actually to, to sort of be able to run Sims and, and, you know, press a button to run tee time to update, update tee times, update weather, all that stuff. So basically after that, it's, it's, he can handle all this stuff like seating different markets, um, you know. Dealing with different betting partners and all that, but so so the work on my side is basically just the projections, and if something goes wrong, um I, I kind of um that he can't figure out how to troubleshoot, then that's um that which, which by the way, that list is getting a lot shorter now, which is nice, but uh, then that's when I um am more involved. but this week you know you we have something unique in that you have the Barracuda, which is a stableford scoring system. It's the like eight points for an albatross, five for an eagle, two for a birdie you know, that type of thing. And so I had to rustle up some old code from previous years and, and I can't run this. Like it, it can't be, it's not automated on Verplank. It's, it has to be, you know, I have to do it manually. Basically. I have to find some code and do it. And then just, I send it to to him and then he, you know, he's, he deals with it. But, um, but that's the kind of thing that's, you know, and it seems like those things happen more often than they should. Sometimes multi-course events, it, it's a thing. Um, and so, so there is like, there is work. Uh, and then the other thing is that I'm always, I get ideas sometimes. And so a lot of times I'm um, tweaking some diff- some, some things and I'm having to update some code. Um, for example, I actually use the data golf um, stats feed now instead of PGA tour, because um, there was, I was having an issue with PGA tour at one point or they, they, and, and so I was like, I'm just going to use the data call version and, and cause I can get everything from the same place. But then there's a week when for the British open, they didn't have their stats there, which is where I was getting the leaderboard. So I had to switch it back to the old one. So basically there's a, I, you wanted me to talk more specifics and now I'm, I'm making you regret that decision. I I'm sure, but, but <laughs> no, there's, a, there's, there's a lot to do. And, and there's a lot of, I mean, tinkering and improving stuff. And in golf is the thing, like it's definitely the thing that I enjoy the most. And so that's why I, spend time like it's it's the thing that is always the number one priority
1: yeah i don't think uh we we regret that question at all um i think a lot of people dating back to future or past sorry past discussions we've had on this podcast about an originator versus a market mover things like that a trader so rufus by all accounts of the word is just a straight originator in the sense like he's modeling the numbers from the ground up he mentioned seeding exchanges seeding different markets and things like that um but it's a good It's good to get that info, Rufus, about what goes on on a week-to-week basis because, like we've mentioned before, a lot of people think that, you know, originating is they make a model uh, and they think, yep, this is, you know, I take my strokes gain, the course effects, things like that, and I whip it all together and here's my numbers. Um, But what they don't realize is the additional work that still needs to go into that on a week-to-week basis or on a day-to-day basis for other sports with things like lineup changes, things like you know, injuries. And within golf, Rufus just mentioned a few of those things like, you know, travel effects, uh, different course changes, like when they make, you know, things like that, that are never going to be able to be a hundred percent automated. So anyone who's listening and thinks that, you know, originating is a set it and forget it. Even though Rufus is saying it's on autopilot, look at all the things he just mentioned. He still needs to do on a weekly basis.
0: There's a a couple things I wanted to unpack from there because I found that interesting. One being Scott Verplank being your favorite golfer, which is just to me, like there must be a gambling story behind that, right?
2: Well, you know he he's type one diabetes guy, right?
0: I actually I actually didn't know that, um, but now I do. I mean, uh, I remember Scott Verplank, but I I didn't get diagnosed with type one diabetes till I was in my mid twenties, which is extremely rare. So I don't know all like the athletes that have diabetes except for max domi he's the, he's the hockey player that does what about jay cutler isn't he, your he uh no i mean jay I, jay cutler if jay i was actually, a legend
1: don't you dare talk bad about jay cutler
0: so i i will say this
2: i, I will stand by the fact that he was a better player than eli manning uh <laughs>
0: that i mean i don't think so but or it's i i statistically speaking they're like the same i think jay cutler has cost me more money than any other quarterback in the history of the NFL. And I'm fairly confident that that's true. Um, anyways, that's just a, a random tangent. But what I really wanted to t- talk about in specific there, Rufus, was uh, something that hit hits home with me because obviously I originate like you do. And when I first started modeling sports, I very much had the attitude of, I'm going I'm to trust this number. Like this is the number I'm making on the game. I'm going to bet it. And I didn't start really working in like manual adjustments or subjective adjustments until three or four years into the process where I started saying, well, I don't really know if I'm confident in this number or have enough information that I'm willing to bet this number at, at the edge threshold that I want to. Or there's just like some circumstance that has come up where I want to avoid this game altogether. And that's what kind of eats away at my daily time nowadays is like the models itself run, you know, pretty much automated, but then I kind of dig into numbers and I say, well, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. And I'm wondering if it's the similar experience for you and you, if that's where you find yourself spending the majority of your time nowadays.
2: So, so I'd say no, actually. I mean, I think I, I've always been more of a trust the numbers guy and for me to actually it, it, well, it's the kind of thing that, The bets that seem the worst, the ones that if I question, the ones that I question are often the ones that actually do the best, because there's like because the model I built is smarter than my intuition. I think Mm -hmm. I, I believe that. I don't think my intuition is very good, so I need to have a objective something I know objectively matters, and and I need to have a framework for quantifying it. And if I don't have a framework, like if I know that if I hear that some player was, you know, had food poisoning. Um, and it's still going to try to tee off the next day. Yeah, like I'll, I'll avoid that. But I feel like that's kind of an extreme example. Like I think, for example, the 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 travel thing is something that I have a framework for being able to quantify in certain circumstances, and so I can sort of use that. Something I've quantified is a way to sort of quantify something that isn't really that I don't have in my system. So, I mean, I. But yeah, I'm mostly I'm mostly a stick stick with the numbers guy. And honestly, the the, the stuff I'm spending, or doing on a day-to-day basis, I would say is less like tweaks and is more, it's more just manual stuff and putting out fires, if you will. Yeah. But Rupus, I mean, can you talk I'll a little this,
1: bit about, sorry, go ahead.
2: Wait, really quick. I'll say that I am much more open-minded now about adding in more qualitative stuff and making these tweaks than I used to be. Like, man, when I started out, I was like, I thought I was the shit. I thought I had, like I, I thought that, you know, I had somehow done what nobody else had done. Like when I was LVSC that like solved all this stuff. I mean, I think, I I, I think I, there was one guy at the office, I think Dan O'Brien, I think I really rubbed the wrong way um, because I, I was just, I don't know. I was the, the, the less, you know, the more you think, you know, in a way a little knowledge is, is really dangerous.
1: So, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, one thing I was going to ask was, can you talk a little bit more about the trading side of things? So you said your brother manages, he's your head trader, um, anything specific that you can give out some stuff unique. I know we're going to talk a, a lot more about the trading side of things on next week's episode, but, uh, give us a little teaser, anything you can here. Well,
2: I mean, he's downstairs if you want, if you want his, uh, take <laughs> on it, but I, could, I can, I can, Yeah
1: um Br- bring him up i'm we're in for anything this is a circles off we do it is what it is we're not we're presented by bedstamp we don't have any other sponsors to please you can bring him up
2: you want to talk about the trading come on up here you're about to be on the podcast
1: okay i'm, I'm, I'm bringing him up 100 percent. let's do it
0: thomas peabody i just assume thomas is the full name
1: this
3: is tom what's going
1: on guys tom welcome to circles off uh our first ever dual guest podcast episode 20 uh we were just talking with rufus about the originating part portion of the golf modeling and uh he mentioned you know his brother tom head trader we wanted to kind of like get a little bit into the the process there give out anything you feel you know might not be too much uh but yeah it's a it's a podcast full of uh, sports bettors all interested to know kind of like what the day-to-day life of the trader is and more specifically, Rufus Peabody's trader.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it all starts with Rufus and he mentioned he's sort of grinding on Mondays to get numbers out. Um, And so work for me kind of starts Monday night in terms of betting outrights pretty much anywhere I can.
2: Wait, it starts before that. You're actually helpful. I
3: mean, you're, you're putting
2: in tournament codes and you're essentially... Sure, yeah. ...putting in a lot like... <laughs> field like a lot of the course specific stuff
3: yeah yeah but I'm obviously not not doing the originating um, and so yeah just betting outrights Monday night um, and then sort of Tuesday is a full day of once matchups come out uh, rerunning stuff with tee times and just kind of trying to find value on matchups all over the place so kind of grinding in terms of putting in a bunch of matchups from, from all over the place um, and running them and just kind of seeing where we can get down. And it's really piecing a lot of things together more than anything. Um, So, yeah. So do you have a matchup set that's like, these are the projected
1: matchups from that Chris is going to hang or is it, you got to see it, scrape it down right away and then
3: run the numbers? Um, I mean, we, we, I'll put in like bet Chris matchups and then, uh, you know, bet online matchups and then I'm finding matchups on circa and occasionally, um, a bunch of other places. Um, yeah. And then just sort of adding those as I go and, uh, and running those, but we've got, it's, it can plug it right in and run it, um, pretty quickly.
2: We we have some scrapers for books too, but some of them have like FanDuel like changed their stuff recently. So, um, and when he says grinding, I think like, you know, sending stuff to betting partners, um, et cetera. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. For so, sure.
0: Rufus, you, you mentioned FanDuel there. I just wanted to, like, how has the process changed with the emergence uh, of the regulated market, right? Um, I know some people who have started to get down earlier in the weeks because of it. And now, actually, the majority of their action would be in regulated, although it's, you know, spread across hundreds and hundreds of different accounts in different states because of the, the limits. But just wondering if you've noticed a significant change, if it's, if it's affected how you guys get down on games or whether it's just kind of been BAU ever since uh, each of these individual states started regulating.
2: No, it's definitely... Thank you, Tom. Um, it's it's definitely changed things. It's it's created more work. Um, we're getting down in more different places. It's, uh, I guess, sort of networks of, and, and betting partners matter more. And that's never been my thing like back with when I worked with um with with Zach and Mark and and those guys um it was you know they were always the ones dealing with the the betting partners well at the time we called them agents but um the, yep. th- th- those were not like and, and these were talking we're talking betting partners for like you know the people that got accounts like paperheads, di- different offshore stuff not um you know I mean well you didn't have I mean not in like Vegas or anything like that so um, I've, I mean, now that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm more solo. I don't have, like, I don't have a huge network. Um, I, I keep it fairly small. And part of that is, I mean, I, well, I don't want, I mean, I, I keep things pretty close to the vest in that regard. You know, not, I don't really in the rest of my life, but, um, but it, it makes things, I prefer things simpler if possible.
1: Got it. Yeah, so it's a smaller team, but obviously a higher percentage.
2: Yeah, yeah. it still is. I mean, like, I mean, we, you know, Tom's the one having to deal with this with you know figures with everybody in the, every week and and all that. I mean, I'll say we've expanded... like I've expanded more into you know people in like Europe and stuff, which has been really really nice to have because there's different markets there. For example, being able to bet each ways is nice, mm-hmm. and, and and so and the funny thing is the people influencing the market there, um, the books there often hang pretty different stuff. And so I do think there are opportunities, obviously at the legal sports books in the U S and, and, you know, I am sure you've had lots of people talk about the challenges already of, of getting down without getting limited and all that stuff. And so, um,
1: so roughly if you're willing to share Rufus roughly what percentage of your, uh, you know, getting down, I guess, would be from, you know, offshore versus the, the legal market or the regulated market.
2: Ew. Well, the thing is, well, some of them like what about like regulated markets in Europe, for example? I mean,
1: that's got it. So let's say U.S. U.S. regulated market right now. What percentage is that? Because that's what I think a lot of people think it's much bigger than it is in terms of professional betting. When I think guys like us on this call might know that from a prof- from a professional standpoint, it's 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 pretty small. Tom says very very small. <laughs> very and very. I, small. I was going to try to estimate a percentage. I was going to guess
2: like two to 3%. I mean, yeah.
1: it, it's, it's, it's
2: probably a little more than that, but not a lot. It, it, it's going to vary. Cause a lot of it is different bet types. Like for, so I'm talking golf here. Golf is it, a lot of, it's like the long shot stuff. I mean, I think it's also, I mean, betting golf, I think generally it's hard in betting outrights. It's harder for books to know whether you're sharp, I believe um, just because, you know, there's not really like that much closing line value because they're not moving lines that much. And there's not a lot of signal in terms of whether you're winning or not. I mean, you can have an account that goes three months and is just basically losing every week and it can, you can still be a winning better because you're betting a bunch of to ones. And so, <laughs> um, and so a lot of that though, I mean, but if you're betting these big long shots, you're not betting a ton of volume, because, but you're, you know, it's, it's able, it's able to diversify me, which is nice. Like I like the fact that some of these have like the top country stuff and, um, you know, I, I hope with the emergence of exchanges in the U S and I'm, I'm really excited for sport trade and I'm hoping that I'll be able to do like essentially more market, do more on the market making side. Cause I mean, that's, I mean, in essence, I, I, my number ends up very much shaping the the market out there and which by the way, has caught, made things like DFS a, a huge challenge and something I'd basically just quit now. Um, but it's um, you know, I, I want to be able to, if I, if my numbers being used that way, I'd rather be able to like directly to more directly benefit and be able to scale a little more if I could.
0: Do you, do you think that exchange bottle is going to be successful? Do you, do you think there's enough liquidity within the states themselves?
2: It's going to be hard within the states themselves. I mean, for a sport like, like golf for sure. Yeah. But I I do think long-term, I think once you have, um, once you have interstate, betting that yes, it, I think it will be successful. I, and I don't think it means that it's a better model than the European model. I mean, I, I personally like it more, but I, I think it's, it's different. And there's room for, there are people that are not, that are being underserved by the current models and they will, you know, they will be, and you have a lot of, of these sort of market makers, a lot of, you know, you know Wall Street type companies that, would love to get in this and market make. I mean, you see what, you know, just like over in Europe. And so um, I, think, I think it will be successful. And I know that's kind of a controversial opinion, but uh, I, I just economically don't see how it won't unless the government, you know, won't let it.
1: So Rufus, like, are, are you legally allowed to, I don't know the answer to these. Are you allowed to seed, for example, a sport trade exchange in Jersey? Uh, how, like, how does that work? Is it like a guy like you allowed to do that? I, I don't know. I think I would have to actually
2: be get some sort of license, probably.
1: Got it. Yeah, because that's what the regulators are they're trying to. It's apparently.
2: Be, I mean, I don't think it's. Well, I was going to say. I, I mean, yeah. I don't think it would be that hard to get a license necessarily. I mean, just given some of the books that are getting licenses, um, I don't have any you know mob connections or anything, so I think I should
1: be fine. <laughs> so is it like a regular license, as if you were to be a sports book, or are you trading under like a specific type? Like, because uh, again. I think the the key to these exchanges succeeding, and everyone knows this, is going to be liquidity, right? You can't have an exchange. You had um, some the the founder of S Markets or S Markets on your on your podcast, Bet the Process. We'll give it a, a plug here at Bet the Process. Um, we like you can't have like a baseball game where there's only a hundred dollars to bet. It doesn't make sense. And like when you have your exchange at that level, it's not going to work. But the key to this is you have to have people you know, being enabled to see this exchange, right? If they're going to make it that you need like a full on license and you have to pay, you know, even if it's, let's say like 50 grand a year, a hundred grand a year, like the majority of people will never be able to overcome that payment and seeding an exchange. It doesn't make sense. Right.
2: I mean, I think, I mean, like, I think you have to get some sort of license, even if you're, if you take affiliate money. Right. So if you're a website and you do an affiliate, I think you have to get like, I think like legal sports report and us bets and all those, they have, they have some sort of license because they're accepting the, you know, so I don't think it's one of these. Intensive- so that
1: license, that license is just like a, uh, I think jerseys is free. It's like a, in other States, it's like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. And I think that's fine. But, but for the the exchanges, I'm not sure if that's going to be even enough to suffice.
2: See, I, I I don't think it's something that's sort of prohibitive. Like, like if you were actually, you know, trying to start your own book, um, but I, I completely agree that that liquidity is going to be what makes it makes exchange successful or unsuccessful. And I I think that you know I know Sportrade has a lot of um, they they have partnerships lined up with with companies that want to that are going to market make. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that there's I mean, not individual. It's not going to come down to the individual people as much as it will come down to these companies. I mean, the the Susquehannas of the world, right? Nelly Analytics and and um, you know other other finance finance
1: companies. So are they going to be able to like actively trade those basically as if it's a a full portfolio?
2: Are they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I like to me, what exchanges do is it democratizes bookmaking. Anybody can be a book, anybody can be a bookmaker and, and you know what, whether, you know, it's whoever offers the best price, (laughs) and that'll get accepted. So I I think it, yes, it'll make the market more efficient if, if there's, if there isn't all this friction and barriers to entry, but it, it should, I mean, I don't. I. I think it's it's fair. It. I. I. I think it. Yeah.
0: No. I love it too. I, we. We all agree on the upside to exchanges. I think we all. We all know from a betting perspective uh, how integral they can be in our day to day processes. It's just a matter of whether or not one can succeed in market. Um, that's the question. And and I hope that I hope that something does because I think that. Will provide liquidity for all of us, and like you said, Rufus, it's just um, you know be be able to get down on the best prices.
1: So I, I believe it will. The question is how soon, right? That's the question. And I'm with you because I hear Rufus talking about like, yeah, he's got his mark. He's got his golf numbers, right? He's setting the whole market. So right now he's going through bookmakers, whether it be offshore. I mean, it is offshore, but it's going to be bookmakers offshore who are now taking a lion's share of those profits. And Rufus is obviously trying to get as much money down as possible at the prices that he thinks are plus EV and are going to make him money. So by having guys like Rufus be able to seed these exchange, and when I say seed an exchange, I mean, Frictionlessly, like he's got to be able to bang, put up everything right away. Then, yes, everything like actively trade, like you know, golfers injured, or like you know, it's different in golf, but let's say NBA players injured, like rips off the board. You can't have like you know, sharks coming after you. If we can get to that point where the tech enables that, then I'll have so much more faith in an exchange being viable because this is the proof for like anyone listening right now. Like Rufus wants to get more money down at the correct price at the correct pricing uh so the exchange enables that but the tech obviously has to be there and that's kind of where i'll close it off Like that's my two cents like if it's not there then we're toast
2: my problem right now the correct pricing the, f- the problem is that like i'll look at like round bets and I'll be like there aren't any edges there basically
0: yeah <laughs> no yeah,
1: and that's like to fine find some more edges on i mean top of that. i mean yeah. like the correct pricing as in what rufus can post up whatever he thinks is his correct price and whether people are going to take that bet or not is fine. Um, you know, you don't have to take every single bet that's offered. But uh, as long as, you know, Rufus has a way to like legally say, yes, I want to bet more. Here's this. I'm not going to get limited by this exchange. I'm not going to have to deal with, you know, getting cut off because I won X amount this week or because I lost this week, but I ended up beating the close on all my matchups. Right. Right. Right.
0: All right, Rufus. Um we'll sh- we'll shift from one product idea w- with exchanges to to another, and and let's talk a little bit about unabated. Um, I know that there's a lot of people in the space, um, that seem to already know exactly what the product is before it even launched, and it's been in beta for a day. So I'll give you the, uh, the opportunity to, to briefly tell people what unabated is. I know that you're one of the co-founders alongside, um, Captain Jack Andrews, who f- for my money is probably the best content guy in the entire sports betting space right now by a country mile in, in my opinion. Uh, and Dan, Dan Fabrizio, um, who was the founder of sports insights, who I know from my trips to Boston for Sloan on a yearly basis and who I think is a great guy as well. So I think you're hooked up with some great co-founders there. Uh, but for people who don't know what unabated is, uh, give a brief background on, on what the product is and what you hope to accomplish.
2: I thought you were going to introduce it. So I don't have to, I need to, I don't, I don't have, I have to work on the elevator pitch because I just end up getting going down a rabbit hole and getting caught in the weeds for usual. But, um, it's a sports betting tools and information site, which that sounds, I don't know, vanilla. I don't know. Um, I guess our, our tagline is your direct path to intelligent betting, but it's providing education. We have captain Jack doing video, videos and articles and education. Captain Jack's doing a lot of stuff for it, but, um, Tools to essentially help you be a better better. Um, I think I might have to pay Spanky for using that expression.
1: <laughs> it's patented. If if we don't edit that, oh, we're going to get demonetized on YouTube. <laughs> um,
2: so like like trading tools is is was the big thing that I think we kind of hinted at, um, both, like over the last what six months, I guess it is now at this point. Where's all the time gone? Um, but the, the so, so that helps essentially people with bet execution stuff. Um, if you want to bet this team, like what is, what's the best price available? Are you better taking this alternate line, this money line? Eventually we'll have stuff more in the derivative markets there. To me, that was more of a, that's something sort of low hanging, you know, that, that, you know, if, if you can save someone, if you, you know, a, a few tenths of a percent each bet that adds up. Um And so, and obviously, Rob, I know you have your half point charts. Probably, you know all you know. You have like I. I, This is all stuff that I basically had built out in the past too. I mean, I I have Google have Google Sheet interfaces essentially for it, but um, but sort of productionizing some of that stuff. But what I'm um we're gonna we're gonna have an odd screen as well. Um, But what I'm most excited about uh, is is allowing people, non-quantitative people, to be able to have a chance to quantify their own opinion. So um, we're launching this NFL simulator product, which allows you to take your own power ratings, NFL power ratings, uh, or use one of our, our systems that are in there, or you know find another system that's out there if you want, um, or sort of combine them. And, and you can, and then it simulates the NFL season and the results sort of integrate with futures markets, so you can see um, how your sim would price these regular season wins. Um, you can exact number of wins as well, although we don't have a we don't have the odds screen for exact number of wins. But um, but the odds screen integrates for regular season wins, division odds, conference, Super Bowl. And what I like about it is it's it's fully customizable. There's good data science behind it in terms of. Uh, the rating change, the dynamic uncertainty, because what a team is now isn't what a team is going to be in week seven or week 15 necessarily. So so we allow in the simulation that team's rating to, to change as it has, or in a way that it, it reflects how ratings have changed historically. And so, um, but you can customize. Um, I think one of the wrinkles we have in there, which I think is important and it's something I never had in the Massey Peabody sim, um, before is is quarterback injuries because I, mm-hmm. I think we can agree that quarterback injuries are a huge source of variance especially yep. like especially for the elite teams with elite quarterbacks imagine like Seattle um, Seattle Kansas City Baltimore if any of those quarterbacks got hurt um, you know I mean I guess we saw how how what happened to the the chiefs odds uh, in game mm-hmm. when when Mahomes got hurt and Henny came in against the Browns, I mean, they, they they valued Mahomes at like seven points for one quarter over Henny. It seemed like so. Um, so basically, teams are different. Teams are more fragile, and so you can you can edit quarterback injury probabilities. And so we um, on the back end we we simulate how long the court, the quarterback the duration of quarterback injuries based on historical um, injury lengths, and and we've done some predictive stuff there. Um, and so we allow the user to sort of customize the dynamic uncertainty, the, the ha- well, we call it the roof factor. Um, it's the rating updating function, how aggressively or conservatively we update a team's rating in the simulation based on the simulated game results. So basically if you're updating aggressively, it means that uh, you are less certain about how good a team is going to be going into the season. So. Right. An example is the Jaguars. They have a rookie quarterback in trevor Lawrence, um highly touted. he could take the league by storm or he could suffer um, suffer uh, i guess what a lot of rookies do and start in in, in struggle so uh, and and then you, you you have urban Meyer, a collegiate coach who is very successful. um will that translate to the NFL game? maybe, maybe not, and so you could make an argument that there's a lot more uncertainty with Jacksonville than maybe um another team like atlanta or something and so if you update if you say i want to make jacksonville's rating update more aggressively it will be you'll, you'll get a wider range of outcomes but the default is going to be basically where what the, what we found to be optimal for updating um in the past and teams ratings in the past using the scp body and it's tuned to make sure it reflects what you actually see um, on the field in terms of um how team like in terms of i guess the variance in, in season wins um, at the end of the season as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited about it, and just allowing people to be able to quantify their opinions and and um, sort of tinker with with what I think is a is a pretty cool tool and product. And
1: so, tell people where they can find it right now. So you said the beta just launched.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you can go to unabated.com and put your name and the list to sign up to get early access for the beta. And we're going to be officially launching to the public. Uh, close to the end of the month, I believe.
0: This is my full transparent review. Uh, I am I am friends with Rufus. Uh, I will say I did use the beta this week and I did quite enjoy it. Um, I, I think it's a product that could potentially have mass market appeal in that I'm probably not your target customer now, Rufus, you would know that. Uh, and I don't think you would intend it to be, but myself 10 years ago, when I was in university and was kind of putting together power ratings and didn't really understand how to model things, um, I could definitely see myself going down the rabbit hole. So I would encourage people to at least check it out because um, I did spend some time navigating through the site yesterday, um, and I think it's worth checking out. So unabated.com, you can sign up for the beta. But I can't let you off the hook, Rufus, and you know that it needs to be asked. I'm excited I want to do. You about you, it. you know what's coming because you you've been critical of touts before uh, in the past, whether that be on Twitter or on Bet the Process. Um, in fact, last time I was on Bet the Process, you referred to Bet Stamp as "quote unquote" providing the needles for those that are seeking heroin. Clean needles, which I didn't take, yep. but in a good way, Rob. A- which I honestly I didn't take offense to, and I I gave you my rebuttal and and I think it's a uh, a fair opinion as much as I don't agree with it. But now you are creating a product or have created a product um, in the space where you're, you're most likely going to monetize via subscriptions, I would think. So I need to know in your mind, what makes this different from what you would historically define as touting?
2: So I guess first off, I'll say that I don't have an ethical issue with, with touting per se my issue is, is mostly with the ecosystem and just how many bad actors there are in it. And so, I mean, personally, I very much judge people on intent. And so I'm, I'm not going to be as critical of, uh, of an outfit that sells picks and just doesn't like understand they're not providing value. And it, as I am of like a Vegas Dave or something, but I, mm. I do think for the, for the not bad actors, the issue with touting is that it's something that if you're successful, your customers end up cannibalizing themselves. You're moving the lines, um, and people can't get down at the release price. So I guess if you have this industry where if someone's good at it, the value of the product ends up suffering, I just think it's it's not really an industry worth steering people towards. So that's, that's my general opinion on it. Um, I think unabated, like I think betting is about, at least for me, is about asking the right questions and having the tools to answer them. And what we wanna do with unabated is to give people the tools to answer their questions in a way. Um, you can't literally just type in a question and get an answer. Sorry. But, but so, to quantify their opinion. And so I guess I don't want to build something where success makes the product less valuable for each user though. I guess I, I will admit that that's something that the trading tools will do to some extent, though that isn't like our primary product. But I guess if you think about like the fun of a fantasy football league, if, if you're one of these people that's like really into fantasy football, you have all these tools, you do this research, you make projections, I want to create something that allows the type of person who gets really into that to get into sports betting in the same kind of way. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to be winning better, but I want them. I want them to have the chance to be and the chance to really enjoy the process of trying to be winning better with their own opinions, not um, not being told what to do. And so, I I, I believe that. And for, I mean, maybe I'm wrong with this, but I believe that winning with your own opinion is so much better than someone else's. And I know money's all the same, but I'm targeting the people who bet on sports because of the challenge—the people who like the game of it—and you know, we—I I may be completely off base, and there may be no market for this, but it's a risk. It's a gamble, and so uh, did 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 that answer your question? There,
0: I, I think sort of. There's a couple things I could I could rebut, and I think they're probably worth um, rebutting in general because because there's obviously the scenarios where there are touts who genuinely believe that they are winning touts and don't have bad intent. Uh, I'll throw out a name that people ben the better? You know. Well, no, no. Ben the better. I, I'm very confident he doesn't think he's going to win, but a guy like spread investor. I hate to, to give that guy a, a larger platform than he already has, but that's someone that I think anyone who is a seasoned sports better would willingly book this guy in an instant, like without... Even doubting it, based off of the write-up that he writes for games and things of that nature. But this is a person who genuinely is selling picks and believes that they are a winning better. Um, and under your original definition, this is something that I guess ethically you're okay with. Whereas for me, um, I mean, I, I just, I don't. I'm, I'm struggling to see the logic there.
2: Well, uh, I guess no, I mean in my life, I, I judge people on intent. If someone hurts me and they didn't mean to, I'm not going to hold a grudge versus if they did mean to, I will. And I, I guess, uh, I guess in a way, the issue that I was that I was saying with Betstamp or my issue with, with I guess, supporting pig selling is, is that you, you give someone like that, someone, I mean, I don't know him, but, or her, I don't know, but who who doesn't necessarily know that they're not providing value? The chance to sell something to chance to the chance to sell something that doesn't provide value, right? Which they're doing it in an sort of an innocent way. They're not, or it, their intent their intent is not malicious, and so, you know, that, I guess that is why I want to, um, yeah. I don't know. So I'll, I'll, I'll follow. I, I, it I get. Up. I
1: get it. I'll follow it up, Rufus. Um, and then I got a couple questions as well that some people uh, sent in, but so yes you've obviously been critical of touts in the past um one thing that i guess people want to know the answer to and i don't mean to be like negative when i ask this or anything but like so do you believe that people who use unabated will be able to win uh because it's kind of and again it's 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 a sticky situation, but you just mentioned like in terms of people selling something that is not providing value. And even if they believe it or not, it's kind of like a, a gray area. So when you're looking at this product, like what's the market, it, do, are people going to win when they do it? And then further to that, um, you mentioned if there is good touts, such as, you know, you have mentioned you've quoted right angle sports in the past, and this is something that he asked on Twitter today as well. You know, Ed has said like, he gives out stuff that has market influence and moves the market. And the critical response to that is, well, then all your customers are cannibalizing each other. So with unabated, personally, I do feel it will have some value at the start. But but isn't there kind of a, that same trajectory where that data will get eaten into and eventually, you know, sportsbook, A, catches wind and this closing line value and the inefficiencies in that drop down menu go somewhere else. Like how is how do you see that all playing out? And like, do you think there's going to be sustained value in the product? I'd love to hear it.
2: Okay, so I don't remember what the first question was. So I'm going to go with the second one first. <laughs> okay, um, go ahead. But I, I, I think that I think you're right with the trading tools and the drop down. Like, if, if those are good, if people, if, if the market finds them good, then
1: yes. And sorry to cut you off, but I do think they're going to be good for listeners. Like, the, that pinnacle drop down, I don't believe is sufficient. So Rufus putting that out, I think, is, is good and will have value in the start. But like you said, then where does that go? So go ahead. Sorry. Cut you off.
2: Hopefully, we don't have any, yeah, hopefully, we don't have any bugs in it or anything. I I, honestly, I'm scared about that. I'm scared that people are going to find something wrong with it or something. And I'm going to look dumb.
0: Well, we, we, we deal with that with the bet stamp conversions as well, right? Because we're giving the best price available and we have to do the conversions on our end. So we, we sweat with that for a long time. And I can imagine you're in the same position now. It's not an, it's an uneasy feeling, right? I
2: mean, like that's the kind of thing where anybody, like people can sort of see if there's something wrong. Whereas like if there's something wrong behind the hood with the simulator, it's going to be harder for them to see. But I I think, but if we talk about like the simulator product, which is I think more sort of what I what I see the DNA of the company being, um, it's something that there isn't one answer. So, oh, I I think wait. The first the question, first question was, will people win um, from it? Some will as a result of it, and some won't. That's I I don't think the I, I don't think I mean if you give people tools to find the answer, whether they win or not is based on the question they ask. Right. Actually, I I don't think that metaphor really made sense, but, but the point is that um, we're going to allow people that otherwise wouldn't be able to sort of um, do certain things because of, because they don't have the technical skills or or necessarily want to learn them um, to be able to quantify their opinions and, and to sort of go deep and explore. And, and so I think it's gonna make some people winning betters and it's gonna make, it's not gonna help others. It's, I think of it like, um, I mean, think of, I think the fantasy sports is a good example because there's so many, there's so many resources out there for fantasy sports. And you could say, well, is this making this person a winning fantasy better um, or better fantasy player? And, you know, in some cases, yes, in some cases, no. But I, my goal with this is to kind of give the user agency. Like if if they want, if, if, if their opinions are good and they don't have modeling experience, but they have good opinions, then we can help. Like I want to be able to help them shape those into a number and be able to win sports betting with that.
0: Right. And, and I think person- there's
2: going to be a lot on the education side um, yep. that will help people become a winning better as well. Um, and so... But I don't want to give you the simple answer of yes, signing in front of eight is going to make you a winning better. I, I think no, it's. I,
0: I think that's a fair answer what, what you've given, I, I, and this this is my personal opinion, obviously. But I, I think we've kind of gone off the deep end here a little bit, and and I think this is largely to do with your opinion and your stance on touts in the past, and th- this is why you're getting this sort of negative feedback just in general, because because like you have a service like Don Best, right? which people fa- pay 500 bucks a month for, that's not necessarily going to make you a winning better, being able to see an odd screen in real time, but it's a service. It, it's something that people, they want in order to you know try to improve their experience. And And it's the same with any sort of betting tools, right? Like with your NFL simulator, it's only going to be as good as the, the inputs that go into it—that's just the reality of of things. And in some cases, the inputs will be good. In some cases, the inputs are not good enough to turn that person to winning better. But regardless, it is a service that that someone is paying for because they want and they feel that that can enhance their experience in some way or another. And I, I do feel you've you've gotten a lot of criticism just in general because of your opinion on totes and and had you not been so vocal and uh upfront about that in the past rufus i don't necessarily know that we would be here right now with the criticism of a product before anyone even sees it
2: that's true although i will say i think the 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 constant criticism of it has probably been a net positive for it oh yeah for sure everybody every like everybody on like ed keeps talking about everybody keeps talking about it where you know for six months and we didn't even have a product yet and didn't even know what it was going to be exactly. And and so, um, and now, yeah, I mean, we had a ton of people sign up for early access. It was, I was surprised at how many. And so, um, but yes, I get that. I get that my stance on touts um, brought that on and I still believe what I believe about, about touting. I think it's an ecosystem that overall is a net, a huge net negative. And so, and I'm not going to run away from that opinion. And I think there's clearly people that are, or good touts and, and provide value. I mean, someone like Ed, right. Provides value if you're able to, if, I mean, I have never personally been a subscriber, but, but clearly people are able to get down at the release line. I, I assume otherwise, I mean, I, nobody's ever said that they have, as far as I know, so they haven't. So, um, you know, there are good touts, but I think overall the ecosystem is, is, a negative, you know, it's a huge negative, negative. Um, and so my criticisms have been largely the ecosystem, and and yes, I think I've probably been a little too black and white, but I think overall, if you if you it, sort of that nuance allows people to, I mean, people, if you tell people that two percent of touts are providing value, they'll think that fifteen, well. They'll think they'll be more likely to find. They'll find that two percent in like twenty five percent of touts. If that makes any sense. Sorry, I was not very eloquent at all there. But
0: yeah, I think I got what you're saying, uh, and um, it, it it makes sense to me. I mean, it's it's obviously my viewpoints are different uh, on a lot of these things, having been a tout at one point in my life, which your co-host does give me. Uh, your bet the process co-host gives me a lot of slack for. Um, just in general. But I think another fair question that comes up in general um, is in regards to, you know, if you're putting a product out there that's going to help betters, are you not in a sense reducing your edge? Like if you have tools on site where you can compare two lines to find a better price or compare alternate lines and things of that nature, is that not taking away some of your expected value? Um, And I think that's like like anyone, I don't want to say anyone that's critical, but some people that have been critical have been pointing that out or, or asking that question. And I'm curious to what your take is on that Rufus.
2: No, that's a, that's a very fair criticism. And I think that, I think they're correct on that. I think that one, that will, um, I, I thought that was kind of an easy win for us. And it's something that, you know, I, I haven't really, I mean, I think I would never have put something out like this 12 years ago because there was so much value betting derivatives. And, you know, now it's pretty simple. I mean, it, It's not, I mean, there aren't, there aren't these huge egregious inefficiencies in in derivative markets the same way there used to be. Um, I guess I thought it would be, um, I thought having that and allowing people to essentially execute their bets a little bit better. um, I think it was meant with, with, it it was built with the user who's trying to figure out which price should I take minus six and a half, you know, minus 110 or, you know, minus seven, plus 100 it was built with that user in mind rather than someone who's saying oh like how can i like build a bot to like scrape all all this stuff and then just automatically execute these bets and all that and so um but yes i get the criticism i I think it will make hopefully (laughs) if, if it's a good product it'll it'll it will reduce edges so yeah i think it's a valid criticism
1: In all seriousness, you know, we give Rufus a hard time, but uh, everybody go check it out. Um, So it's unabated.com. You can sign up for early access. I know I was playing around with it uh, today as well. Notice a lot of great tools outside of the ones we mentioned. There's a really good CLV calculator um, that goes even a little more in depth than what we have at Bedstamp and and could be a good compliment. Uh, You've got also things such as like Rufus was mentioning, you know, the ability to, you know, Take a look. Should I bet the seven or am I going seven and a half here? And what's the comparison in between those two? And you know, regardless of if the market's going to adjust or not, I think tools like that will always have value, uh, just because of the price discrepancies between books. So everybody, go check it out. We're uh, we're critical here, but you know, product hasn't even launched. We're excited to give it a try. And uh, oh, we had we did have one more question though that came in through Twitter, um, from a burner account. We're gonna give this guy some some thing here. Rufus Peabody. How much are you down betting? And is it the main driving motivator for going tote? We we gotta had to read this I love one. That so question. I was like, I've been trying to be
2: all positive and stuff. I was like, I don't even know what, what to say to that question.
1: No, we're just joking. It, I love it how, how he said, much, how, are, you how much are you down? How much
2: are you down? What are you down? Had when had did you go last bus? week, actually? I had a very good week last week, but I could have told you the, the two weeks before that weren't that good. So
1: no, that's uh that's good. Um Anything else before we want to get to our, our closing question? Rob, Rufus, go ahead. Rufus. First,
2: I, I want to say that, any you said you guys give me a hard time and I know I gave I give Rob a hard time, but, but I think that stands for a really cool product and I'm a fan of it. Listen, we talked about it. I the health service part as much, but the CLV stuff, the odd screen, I think it's cool.
0: There is a weird toxicity in this space. I don't know what it is. I can't describe it. But there is, um, there's just something that, I don't know, we, like, like I said, we talked about it a, an hour ago off the top and I, I can't really explain it, but yeah, like, you know, Rufus is first lo- launching a product in the... Uh, uh, completely transparent my first thoughts are like what the hell like is rufus think like what could this possibly be his stance on totes and now he's going to go do this and then you know i've used the product after a day i'm like oh this is pretty cool I, I might i actually tried to upload my power rankings from last year uh using the the template that was provided and i was very interested in it so i like i i've already template wasn't
2: working yet so it,
1: it was but not it, it but, will be yeah. it will be tomorrow i'll tell you that a beta form yeah well maybe it has something to do with that rufus had in his twitter bio for the longest time that you know that old that old quote not trying to sell you anything and then as soon as he launched on <laughs> ed called him out and it, it, it went uh i guess we'll call it viral for gambling twitter standards but that that's um another funny one like got got caught it's like a college player who just got drafted and forgot to change delete his old tweets from high school
2: no, I, I that was that was uh, uh, that was funny at bringing that up. I had to change it to not trying to sell you anything yet.
1: There you <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah, to, to get out of it. Um, okay, so anything else before we get into the, the close? Then
0: let's wrap it up.
1: Stuff on the outline that we
2: didn't even get to. <laughs> <You> <laughs> okay, know, if, 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 if you're R- good to Rufus, stick around,
0: we, we can stick around a little longer. We will have a part two eventually. I I know you have a twilight golf round. I I I understand that and your brother's probably waiting on it. Um we do have the intent of of having guests back on in the future. We're we're in like a sweet spot in terms of the time of the podcast. I know some people are like, "Oh, you can go for 3 or 4 hours and I'd listen to it, but not not everyone will." So, we're in that sweet spot right now. Um so we will wrap it. We got to have but Jeff on
1: we'll before we have Rufus again, otherwise we're going to be really in the doghouse.
0: Well, Je- Jeff already is going to probably message me on the side and say like, I'm dead to him or something for inviting Rufus before him. Um, and then also like, he always calls you Rufus Peabody. You notice that Rufus and is like that, how you pronounce your last name? And I've been saying no. Peabody a longer, okay. I don't know. Is he just a It's side? the Boston is- thing. Okay. It's,
2: you know, it's, it's like there's Peabody, Massachusetts and Jeff went to Exeter or maybe it was Andover. He's gonna kill really. me for not remembering which one. <laughs> but were we gonna get into any of that mental health stuff or no?
0: Let's do it. Let's just do it because it is important. And um, yeah, and I'm and I know it's 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 recently recently uh come up and you you, you tweeted this week about um you know a, a threat about self acceptance, uh just in general. And I mean part of it I, I let's let's kind of like backtrack Rufus because Um, I think a lot of this stems from social media in general, and a lot of the negative commentary that you've gotten in the social space, but uh, a lot of betters just in general, uh, tend to, you know, not gravitate towards social media, they like to to remain anonymous. um, On on a personal uh, end of mine, I started social media because I was trying to build a brand for myself in sports media, but if I could go back and redo things, I wouldn't have a Twitter account or anything like that because of all the negative experiences I've had altogether. And I'm just curious what, what drew you to social media in general after being uh, a better that, you know, largely remained anonymous for, for a long time. Um, And then kind of how did things devolve for you into the situation over the, the course of the last couple of weeks that's led you to open up a little bit more about the mental health side of things?
2: So first off, like, uh, Zach uh, Gambleballs on Twitter will tell you that, you know, I've always like, I mean, for, for him, it was betting was about money. And for, for, for me, I've always, he's like, Rufus has always wanted recognition. So he'll tell you that. And, and I think that's true to some extent. Um, but I think I've always been a been someone who's very public and open about things that that's like who I am in real life. And I probably revealed more strange, more to strangers than most people. And I share a lot with friends though. That's mostly like dating related drama, but, um, but I think it's part of my personality. I'm excitable. I'm a talker. I like sharing things and I like connecting with people. And so um, I think the problem is when, when you treat social media, like a game, like how can you get the most followers, most likes, that kind of thing. Um, But I guess the, the quality I really value probably the most of all in life is authenticity. And It's, it's, and honestly, it's probably why guys like Vegas day bother me so much because they're phonies and I, and I try to be myself. And so I think that, um, it, and so, yes, I was, I liked getting recognition, um, because I don't know. I mean, who doesn't, right? I mean, I think, but I think I was at a point, I guess when I, well, first, well, first when I joined Twitter, I just followed a bunch of golf accounts and I wasn't using it at all to like you know post stuff myself but but I guess it was after what I mean I guess I gradually grew um but but it 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 kind of it can become a drug for sure you're looking at how many likes and you know how how, even like my dad has an Instagram account and he was you know he talks about how I mean he's this amazing photographer well he's an amazing architect but photography is his passion and, and and um you know he posts these really cool old pictures and and but he said, like, oh, yeah, he looks to see how many people liked it the next morning. I mean, it is, like, social media is a drug. And so we have to, it's really hard to to use it responsibly. And, and I think I, I mean, when you're constantly being bombarded with other people's opinions of you, it's really hard not to sort of internalize it. And so um, I guess, how did, Rob, did you ask... What, like why am I talking about this now in the last few weeks?
0: Yeah, like sort of what, what led to to this? Uh, I I mean, it sort of seems like a, an introspective you sort of done on yourself and um, just kind of bringing it to public light. I mean, it's it's not like you haven't voiced your feelings openly before on Twitter in the past or or through bet bet the process as, uh, as another platform for you to do so, but it seems you've really been on this. Um, kind of band quote unquote bandwagon over the last couple weeks of just really being open and upfront uh, upfront about how you're feeling and, and kind of trying to turn things into more of a positive. So kind of what's, what's led to this.
1: Yeah. And Rufus, we noticed we switched your bio on Twitter as well, uh, to the Buddhist philosophy optimist by nature. Yeah. I mean, I've, so I discovered,
2: first off, I discovered Buddhism in 2015, late 2015 this Buddhist center in DC. I had been, you know, I'd had lunch with a friend who was for my birthday and she was like, Rue, what are you doing for you? Like, you look so stressed. You're going to like die by age 45. Like, what are you meditating You need to be, you know, are you meditating? You're doing yoga. So I'm walking home and I like, you know, I'm open to the universe and I see some, I see some sign for free Buddhist classes. And so I go and it wasn't, or not Buddhist class, sorry, free meditation class. So I go and it wasn't that great. It was, some pre-recorded thing. And, but I meet someone there who's like, you should come with me to this Buddhist center. Um, or, and you know, later we ended up dating, um, for a little while. Um, but that, but I, I end up really loving it. it. It just, to me, the Buddhism thing, just, it makes so much sense. Is it better? I mean, we, we are dealing with making decisions under uncertainty and then, and then losing control, you know, you bet something, Although I guess now you can live that entire game, but you bet some, but not for golf, but you bet something. And then it's out of your hands. You make a decision based on the information you have, and then you have no control and you have to be able to let go and not stress over it. And it's, to me, it made so much sense. I was like, like it just something clicked. And so I've, I think that was the sort of start of my journey right there. Um, and, And right now I'm in a sort of a period of transition in my life. And so I think, and, and there's, I've had some adversity and I think, those are times when you really reflect. And honestly, like, I think I've grown more in the last month than I have at any other time in my life. And I'm honestly, I've been the best mental place I've been in my life. And so, but it's, it's been, but it's all, it's, it's a work in progress still. And I've, I'm going to look 10 years from now and I'll be like, wow, look how far I've come. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly growing, but now I forget what the question was. <laughs> This is what well, happens I mean, with someone like ADD like me. I just start talking and don't stop.
0: Well, honestly, I, it, it's great to hear that just in general. Um, I mean, I've been very open about kind of my journey as a sports better over the years. And there's are certainly pl- plenty of ups and downs. And I, I think with each down period that you have, kind of the goal I have on a personal level is just to... Uh, try to get out of it a little bit quicker and try to develop some new hobbies or some other techniques that kind of help me get out of that. And um, I know you've talked about um, seeing a therapist, Rufus, and that's something that I've done in the past as well. And now sometimes I'll just spend half an hour like in darkness listening to music with my headphones on or exercising a lot more. And I think there's different things that work for different people. Um, But I'm glad you found something that's work for you and, and you kind of regain that positivity because I, I mean, I, I know what it's like to be in that situation where, um, you know, you just feel really overwhelmed with a lot of things that are going on and it feels like there's no end in sight. Um, and maybe in a lot of cases, I think you're, you're like me in that it, it feels like maybe you've taken on more than you can chew at times. So, uh, I'm, I'm just glad that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's, I I don't really learn from that mistake, and I've done that several times. But I mean, it, it's a journey and it's a process, and it's it's not unlike what we do it with our our day jobs of sports betting and just looking for continuous improvement. And it, uh, I'm glad that you've taken the time to to spend on yourself and um, improving who you are as a person and and getting to that. Positive state again. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that on a personal level. Thanks, Rob. And, I, and
2: I'll really quick, I'll say, I'll say the biggest thing I think that's made me happier in terms of how I'm dealing with social media is just not getting defensive. That was always my initial reaction if someone said something negative, like the guy that said, How much did you lose? Right. I would be like, You know, oh, you know, well, I didn't lose. Well, actually, that's not a good example because there really isn't any, I mean, there's no validity to that. But, but I guess just essentially being like, You know, if if a criticism is valid, just being like, Okay. It is, you know, if you admit that, then it doesn't have any power to hurt you. I think, and it, it's like this incredible, it's like having a body armor in a way I can't, it's, it's, I I can't really describe it. It, it. It's given me this, like just more this peaceful feeling where I, I, I can engage and I can be myself. And I'm naturally a very positive person. Like I have energy, I'm positive and that's yeah. And, and I feel bad, but I just want to say, Mia Culpa here, like, you know, I, 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 have definitely been negative on Twitter at times, many times. And so I'm, I'm going to try just like Rob. Remember when you were positive, Rob?
0: That lasted like maybe a couple of weeks. I tried. Um, but yeah, I, I remember, I remember those days. I do.
2: That was like last year,
0: wasn't it? <laughs> it was like a year or two. He's tried it four times.
2: That's not kidding But you are still less, I mean, like your social media has evolved too. I mean, you used to it, be all like what you had like 100,000 tweets or something crazy like that, right? You're one of those people uh, that you said must be a huge loser because he has that anybody with 100,000 tweets has no life.
0: I um, I, I mean, the advice that I, I, I it's not really advice, but I just reached a point where I, I stopped caring about what other people have to say. And that's not to like say that their opinions don't matter. That's not what I'm getting at. It's just that I guess it's very similar to you, Rufus, in that. You know, I, I just kind of ig- have found a way to ignore the negative commentary. And certainly there are still things that people will tweet that kind of trigger me. And I'll just, I, I just take a step back and kind of collect myself and just move on with life, right? Like life is too short. Um, and, it, you know, to spend time focusing on things that really shouldn't affect you on on any level. But would you
2: say, so I, I would still say though, that overall, my experience with Twitter and all that has, has made me stronger than if I hadn't had that. Like, I think I'm a better person now. It, it it's allowed me to go on this journey and to become a, like this person that accepts himself a lot more.
0: I would say, I, I would agree with that. And and just just to uh, further that a little bit more, like I almost, I I owe almost everything that I have to Twitter. Like I've made so many connections in this space and uh, made new friends that I, I I never would have interacted with who live all over the world. Like I had a guy visit me from Italy that has like an obsession with me a year ago, and I, I will go visit him in Italy, and he has a lifelong friend with me, and uh, I deal with with Fabian Sommer, who's you know he's in Germany. I've had movers in the Netherlands, and this has all come about because of of Twitter as a platform. So you know, it's easy to say it, you know, in hindsight, I've, I've I've had a lot of toxic experiences, but I don't know social media has elevated my life in a lot of ways as well. And I'm, I'm naturally not a pessimist. I know you're naturally an optimist. So it's harder for me to, to focus on those types of things. But I think when I do reflect on that, um, it's, it's something that, that comes to the forefront for me in that I've had way more positive experiences with Twitter than I have negative. That's awesome. Rufus, would you if you could
1: redo it? Would you uh, would you join Twitter under your uh, you know given name, legal name, or would you do it under a, an alias?
2: I don't think any alias would be more believable than Rufus Peabody, right?
1: <laughs> okay, he's hinting that
2: it still is an alias. I would, right? I know it's true. They don't even know my middle name is Learned. But <laughs> yeah, I, I would do it the same. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's me.
1: Well, it seems like some of these opportunities, you know, they, they wouldn't come up if you, you weren't, you know, hadn't built a brand under your own name. And same thing with Rob as well. Like, um, you know, I'm, I took the opposite approach. Like I I never really cared to have my own social media under my own name, basically based on all the toxicity. And also just, I I don't like posting very much. I like reading, but I, I, I hate posting anything else of my own, um, But, but yeah, like doing it under your own name, it takes like, you know, takes balls to start that up because like you guys mentioned, like there's so much negativity. You, you are two, pretty much two of, uh, you know, the most notable in the gambling Twitter space that actually entered under their own name without, you know, from the beginning.
0: Well, there was never a grand plan. I'll say that, you know, um, before we get into our closing question, Rufus, I just want to set the record straight on something that I don't think we've ever discussed uh, even off air before. But um, Jeff, your co-host, Jeff Ma, likes to use the Rufus is a dog's name line. Um, he was he stole that from me. I need to clear the air because I, I was the first to say Rufus is a dog's name and it caught on with him. But I also stole it from someone else who what, used to be on Twitter at Thrill Barton. I don't know if you know the story of this guy. Johnny you got to tell it. you got to tell it. Is it David Bote? Is that who? It uh, is David is Bote. Okay. So this the assassin. guy. In, on August 12th of 2018, we're approaching the three-year memorial of this guy. Um, he basically tweeted, if David Bote ding-dongs here, I will never tweet again for the rest of my life. And David Bote hit a home run on that at bat. I think it was, bottom, had, it was bottom nine. He hit a grand slam to win him what at, we assume
1: was his bet in that game
0: right and the guy hasn't tweeted ever but this guy was the uh the he coined the phrase rufus is a dog's name so i feel like um i'm going to give him the credit that he deserves while we have you on here and take that credit away from jeff who seemingly loves to use that
2: hey i'm i'm fine with bringing jeff down a peg if you want (laughs) no (laughs) so it's Jeff's a great guy in all honesty but and uh, I interrupt. I just want to also set the record straight. And and I, I interrupt Jeff just as much as he interrupts me. Maybe more. I don't know why people like. I don't know why people go after me for the interrupting.
0: I will say that um, leading up to this interview, we spoke off air for about fifteen minutes before we started. Um, before we started this pod today, and I was getting very infuriated with the amount of interruptions that were happening. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, I hope this podcast does not turn into this. And it didn't luckily, but it was just us talking over each other for a long time. I was getting mad.
2: Well, Rob, that's like, I I struggle with interrupting. I'm, I'm yeah, I always have, hopefully won't always, but it's
1: yeah. I, you know, I get excited and want to say stuff. I need to be a better listener. We all have issues though on on podcasts. It's a tough forum. Like we're we're not in the same room right now, so it's like it's always tough. Like I, I realize I have this issue where I, I ask a question, but then I don't stop. I ask like a minimum two point seven average questions per question, and then the guests like. All right, I'll get to all those, but it's going to be like a long-winded answer. So, you know, we all do stuff on podcasts that it doesn't happen in person, but it's just a different forum. So, you know, don't worry about the interrupting. It is what it oh, is. Oh, no, I'm saying it happens in person for me.
0: Oh, okay. Then you got to worry about that, buddy. But, but if, if, if you actually have a... Have you been diagnosed with ADHD, Rufus? Okay. So, like, you, you sort of have an excuse, right? Like, I, 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 it's a, a medical condition that would cause you to do that. It's it's also a superpower.
2: I really believe it and I wouldn't trade it for the world. It allows I mean, me it, it, it to be creative, to be excitable, to be positive. I don't know. I think it it a lot of my best personality traits I think come from it. So
0: well your Twitter bio your Twitter bio reads optimist by nature and I I haven't any you know I've never heard anyone talk about ADHD as a blessing before. So I think you truly are an optimist by nature rufus you haven't talked to enough people with ADHD then oh, i'm surrounded by them all my close friends growing up i literally think
2: almost all sports it seems like every sport's better if i when, when i say that to someone they're like oh yeah me
0: too actually you know all right we're going to wrap it up here it's been a pleasure talking to you rufus we do have a closing question that we always ask Wait, can i wrap this up with two
1: questions in tr- in true fashion of myself here somebody asked on twitter cuz it, it 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 leads so it leads right in. Okay. So so someone asked on Twitter, you know, to give out your biggest non-betting plus EV edges. Examples, you know, therapists conditioning yourself to sleep three hours a day or being a nice person, you know, for the sheer enjoyment of it. That's what somebody asks as a question. I think it's awesome. Um, and then we'll get into the closing question, which is, you know, if you go back, we asked this to everyone, if you were to go back five years and talk to a previous version of yourself. What advice would you give your old self? So I asked them both as one, um, you know, share some things and I know they'll come back and play. Plus, we get to answer more people's questions off Twitter, which is always a good thing.
2: Okay. I would say, yeah. Well, first off, yes, therapy is hugely plus EV. Um, I think focusing on others, huge, like, makes you makes you feel better, makes you happy. It's get out of your own head. I mean, there's so many little things like that that are, but... Um, stay in the moment. I don't know. I mean, all, all these are easier said than done first off. So, and, and, they're, you know, it's always a work in progress trying to, trying to integrate them. Um, so if I could go back five years and talk to a previous version of myself, like, I think the advice I would give would be stuff that I'd already heard. I just wasn't ready for it yet. Or I just hadn't had the experiences yet to put it into practice, if that makes sense. I mean, maybe maybe like I could give advice, like I'd have to go back further, but like don't bet on Kyle Stanley or something like that. But, um, <laughs> but I, I mean, the stuff would be sort of, you know, enjoy the journey, appreciate every day, stay in the moment. But what's interesting is that back in 2016, so that's five years ago, I went on this mindfulness retreat sort of Chautauqua actually in Ecuador with a group of strangers. I read about it on this site. Um, I'm going to plug a website here that is not mine and I have no affiliate deal with it, but it's an awesome site. Um, raptitude.com. That's R A P T I T U D raptitude.com. The, it's a blog, this guy, David Kane. Um, I, I, it's, I think at the time that the tagline for the site was, was a street level view of the human experience. Um, but it's like philosophical. I don't know what the right spiritual, you know, self-improvement, whatever you want to call that stuff. The stuff that I really, it's the stuff I like. And I found out about it there. Um, so I went down to Ecuador, um, for this mindfulness Chautauqua thing. And there was this guy that gave a presentation. Um, there were a few people that gave presentations, speakers, this guy, uh, Leo Babauta with the site Zen Habits and JD Roth, um, Get Rich Slowly, I think is his site. Um, and he he basically, we did this exercise that was about, um, it, was, it was, I forget what the questions exactly were. It was like, if you had only five years to live, what would you do? Um, and, or then if you only had one year, you know, and and based on how much money you had, what would you, you know, would you live your life differently? And, and then it ended up with us getting to, um, the creating sort of a life- purpose thing. I forget. Um basically like what are what are your th- something that is what is important to you in your life. Um I, he had a better name for it than than that, obviously. But I remember coming up with these three things. I still remember what they are. They were like prioritize wait, now I'm gonna forget, but they were prior do things that bring myself and others joy, prioritize people in relationships and be be present for every moment of my life. And those are things that I wanted to, you know, it's the kind of thing you, you don't, you don't think about every day, but you should go back, you know, and make sure you're living your life according to your mission statement or whatever. And I, I think, I, I think like, I really liked that, but I don't think I've actually necessarily lived by that the last five years. And what's funny is I think now I'm more capable of doing that. I just, it just, sometimes things take longer, you know, I'm a slow learner. What can I say? And so I don't know. Uh, I've, I've loved the last five years things they've been difficult at times, but like I've had some fantastic experiences and I'm just learning every day. I think just that grew the, the I think just having a growth mindset like that is, is the key to just, to just, yeah, being fulfilled and, and always growing and being happy.
0: I think that's some valuable advice.
2: I don't even know what it was that I said, but...
0: <laughs> well, well, just in general, I mean, like I, I'm on raptitude.com right now. I have no problem unplugging on, on it in ju- just in general, but like getting better at being uh, being human is sort of like the tagline there. And uh, I mean, there's some articles here about how to get out of your own head, how to remember you're alive and things of that nature. And it's like that positive reinforcement, Right. Um, where it was a lot of times we focus on the negative and sort of kind of just living in the present, you know, soaking up that moment and, and just um, kind of enjoying it type of thing. And I, I think a lot of people could truly learn from stuff like that.
2: I mean, it's the stuff that's important. When you look back at the end of your life, I mean, you're not going to wish you worked more. I mean, what, what, what bring, I think it's very different for everybody. What gives you fulfillment? You yep. f- figure that out and live a life according to what you value. And But you have to be open to figure that out, I guess. So, And it's so easy to just get have blinders on. And I do it all the time where I'm just like, go, go, going. And then I look up and like, I'm overworked. I'm having focused stuff on a relationship. Like, you know, things are falling apart. And it's like, well, what am I, how did I get here? So for me, it takes like extremes for me to like get back on track. But hopefully you guys are better
3: at that than me.
0: I mean, I think we all struggle with it in general. It's just human nature. Uh, Rufus, really appreciate the time um, and you taking the time to join us today. That's a pro sports better Rufus Peabody, the co-founder of Unabated Sports, which you can check out on Twitter at Unabated Sports, uh, and you can visit the website unabated.com. Also the co-host of the Bet the Process podcast uh, with Jeff Ma. Rufus, wish you the best of luck uh, over the remainder of the golf year and into the NFL season. And I uh, hope you guys get unabated off the ground uh, with some early success this year. Thanks, Rob. And, and
2: thanks, Johnny, for having me. And I hope you, Rob, I hope you're very successful in NFL betting this year. And I hope that stamp does is very successful as well.
1: Thanks, Positive Rufus. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see everyone next week. Thanks, guys.